Hello, welcome to Love Food, Hate Money. My understanding is there's gonna be some first timers and some welcome backs. I'll try to keep it short and sweet for the welcome backs. We are here to talk about how much we love food and how much money we spend on it. And um, that's basically the gist of it. I'm gonna be one of your hosts, Jonah. This is gonna be co-host Courtney. Hey. And we'll just jump right into it. As far as drinks this evening, we're going into a 2019 Hart Estate Riesling. It's an off-dry Riesling coming out of Germany. What are you tasting on it, friend? I'm getting like some crisp pear and some citrus. I really like it, it's good. Sure, yeah, off-dry Riesling out of Germany is gonna have high, high acid, but then it's also got a fair amount of sweetness. A lot of people have been burnt on Riesling for having the sweet quality to it and are used to cloyingly sweet Riesling, but this one's actually properly balanced so you get the high acid and the sweetness. It's like adult candy juice, delicious. <laughs> what did that girl try to order the other night for mm. you when she ordered Riesling? Rastling, no, rustling. <laughs> rustling. <laughs> yeah, because she ordered rustling. <laughs> And back in my mind, I was going to wrestle some up for her. Did you do that? Oh, I wrestled it. I don't understand how she got that far off. Because, like, I get it. It's a different language, technically. Sure. But, like, IE never makes the rust sound, no. ever. <laughs> so funny. Like, she's going out there ordering puhs from people. A what? I want a slice of your apple puh. <laughs> That's so funny. You mean pie? I said what I said. Good Lord. Oh, man. So yeah, I think you summed it up great. This is Love Food, Hate Money. And we're just, we're going to talk about our experiences with eating food, cooking food, spending too much money on food. Emphasis on that last bit. A, a lot of spending too much money. So Love Food, Hate it's, Money. It's all for the fun. We just, it's what we do. What became a motto of ours? I don't even remember like when or how long we've been saying that. But like we get to a point when we've ordered too much food already and something else looks good. And then usually like. Love the food. We make the, the eye contact and it's immediately like, are we doing this? Are we ordering more? That's true. That's where it started. And recently it's been, well, this was all terrible. Maybe the 10th dish will not be <laughs> as bad. That's true. Yeah. We've, had, we've had some not so, um, some great restaurant food recently. I think it would be good to give some background on us and like how, uh, how we got into food. Sure. Which one of us is getting started on that? I think you should. I think you have a, a more interesting background, especially with your former fame. Oh, yes. All the fame of speaking on an AM radio show. <laughs> so I grew up in a house that the only time that like home cooked meals were a thing was goulash, which was, I don't know, goulash is a weird one because everyone's got their own variants on it. And mm -hmm. my family had like three. One of them is forbidden. I would never eat that one. <laughs> With the hot dogs? Hot dog goulash. No, the OG was just like stewed tomatoes, ground beef, and then like paprika, lots of it. And that was like a good, that was like my favorite meal growing up because it was one of the few things my mom would put together. Uh -huh. And then the sour cream goulash, which is better than the sum of its parts because literally everything that goes into it, I pretty much despise. But I like it as a whole where it was the noodles, cream of mushroom soup, sour cream, ground beef, canned corn. Oh, God. That sounds so Midwestern. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a that's a that's a that one stuck to my ribs. So I got such big ribs. And then the where's the hot dog goulash? And that one was literally like cut up weenies, ketchup, and noodles. That one I always despised. So yeah, food was not something that my family did all too much, but we went out to eat at a lot of restaurants. Uh, my great grandma, grandmother were both. Actually, my great grandma was the friends of the host, so they were uh, culinary confessions with Kim and Don. It's a throwback. Oh uh, yeah, Kim and Don. If you ever listen to this. Much love, hugs and kisses. So we would, they would do a weekly or daily, like Monday through Friday, 
food call-in talk show on the radio and they would have it was usually on Fridays is when they would do them they would have these radio remotes and we'd go out to eat at restaurants and I'd go on the radio and talk about food and what was the dish that you ate today was that good for you how old were you uh I think uh, the first time that I talked was like eight I want to (laughs) say but yeah I just grew up that was going out to eat was fun and Talking about food, like in that environment, is kind of what spurred me into culinary industry as a whole. I watched a lot of Food Network. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's. The I think gateway. we have that in common. That's the like the common. That's the most common thread between us because it's one of those things where you were watching it. And you're like, I'm gonna be that someday. That's <laughs> that's me right there. I am Bobby Flay. I am Iron Chef, or at least want to be. That was my upbringing and. Sort of how I got started on everything. And yeah, lots of bad, God, bad, bad food. But it was nice to, I don't know, going out to eat at the local restaurants and everything and like breaking that down kind of got all the wheels in motion for me. It's like, oh, I want to do this. Like I could open my own restaurant and like make the food that people would actually want to talk about. Mm-hmm. That's how I really got like into the industry. Yeah. I'd say I started young as well because I kind of come from food folk. My great grandparents on both <laughs> sides. I do. My great grandparents. are out there with. Like a baguette instrument. (laughs) They hollowed out a baguette and played as a flute. (laughs) Food folk. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, so, like, my great-grandparents on both sides owned restaurants. So food has always been something that was important for family. I would say that, like, we really didn't start cooking, like, good food until my dad had his gallbladder out and was in the hospital overnight and had access to Food Network. And after that, he was hooked and the went. The irony on that one's great, though. It's so like, funny. No gallbladder, like, immediately <laughs> certain foods are less fun to eat. That's yeah, that didn't stop jump. him, though, because we we then got cable so he could keep watching Food Network. And that's how I got really interested. Love food, hate money, baby. Yeah, exactly. Please. $200 a month just to watch one channel? Yes, daddy. <laughs> Uh, this episode is not brought to you by Food Network, but it would be better if it was. Um, if this was on Food Network, I would definitely try to do my hair and brow style. That's what I would do. <laughs> I want that tidal oh wave my of, God. of flavor. That's intense. But yeah, we, my dad and I got really into cooking and watching cooking shows. And then eventually that led to where you and I met, which was at a high school culinary program for junior and senior year. Yep. You were the biggest nerd and I was the second biggest nerd. <laughs> you were the brown nose is what you were. I Yes. I do like to be number one and I will do whatever it takes to be number one. Including eating number two. <laughs> Wrong. That's not and part of the I food was that number I enjoy. Two. Wink. No, but... <laughs> No, that was a... We didn't really know fun. each other in school, though. No. Because I was a year ahead of you. Yeah. And you were in the morning class, and I was in the afternoon class. So the schedules were, like, fully disconnected until that weird off-campus event where we went in and did charitable work. That was a fun day. I... Mostly because I was in charge. <laughs> they were like, all right, great. I just great. had to check in and show up. You're going to this event. Make sure everybody checks in with you. Blah, blah, blah. And this doofy dude checks in with me. And I'm like, what is his problem? Like, what is this? Why does this dude have this attitude? Too many to count, baby. <laughs> and I like, I couldn't stand you. I thought you were the worst. Still am. Ah, <laughs> uh, but here we are. Here we are. Years later. Decade later. Yeah, almost 10 years. So yeah, the high school culinary program. 
Are we ever going to do shout outs on where we actually like are ish? Maybe. Someday. You don't need to know that. You just met us. <laughs> Unless you didn't. <laughs> and then. And then if you know, you, you know. know. <laughs> and then after that, I ended up going to culinary school for two more years. So four years of culinary school for me. Um, yeah, both... That was a giant waste of time because it's like going to work and not getting paid. Free labor, baby. Yeah. And you don't get to take the food the... home at the school I went to. Which is sad. But fortunately, I didn't pay to go to school, so it was okay. Scholarships are nice. Um, yeah, I went and had a part-time role at a breakfast spot while I was in school, graduated, switched to full-time at the breakfast spot, had a big falling out. If you know, you know. Uh, <laughs> it could be a special. <laughs> they could be a Patreon. <laughs> yeah. If you just sign up for our OnlyFans, <laughs> it's going to be 99 cents a month. And it's going to be me just whispering sweet nothings about how I was verbally abused at my first job. Amongst other things. Yeah, and you've you've had a really interesting trajectory in the sense of you've done back of house and then you've transitioned to front of house, even though I think you've always been stronger front of house. Yeah, even in school, I was better in front of house. But whenever we did like service events and anything like that, instead of like being kitchen focused, I was always front and center on talking and being a part of like more of the production side of things because I'm a flashy boy to say the very least. Uh, You're a muscle mouse. Ah, uh, the muscle mice. Um, <laughs> but the yeah, they always like pigeon. I don't know. I want to say pigeonholed because it was actually what I was better at. Like I can cook with a pretty good sense of urgency, and mm-hmm. my prep work was good. But I was always better at being able to talk about food and paint pictures for people and try to try my best to articulate that stuff. So yeah, it's always what I've enjoyed doing more so than the actual act of cooking, thinking about food more so than producing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I did back a house at the breakfast spot, got fed up, went and worked for a major taint, major chain cooked there, made lots of burritos and bowls with <laughs> tortillas on the side. Y'all can, if you know, you, you all know. Can, if you know, you know. You can fill in the gaps. There's not many places. And if you're a damn idiot, you eat tacos. <laughs> or calling the you quesadilla out. that they charge extra for now. Yeah, the super special quesadilla that's, quote, new. And even though they sold quesadilla since day one because they had the quesa and the dia. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I did that. Left that. Went and did a desk job. Got fat and sad. <laughs> Wasn't good for me. I was good at it. Like. Doing the tech stuff and that side of things was was fun. It helped build my skills for where I'm at now as far as being able to organize information and be efficient about things uh, on the information side. But that was a miserable job. We worked with a lot of fun people, though. We worked with great people at that job. Just the actual, like... The work was rough. Being a data monkey was the worst. I did get really good, though, at conflict... uh, Resolution? (laughs) I don't want to say resolution. Absorption. So again, especially in the front of house side where I'm at now, like there's lots of times where that conflict, you're not, there's not an actual resolution. Mm -hmm. Like there's no (laughs) amount of dumb, drunk idiot being sad that you're, they feel like they're being disrespected or kicked out of the restaurant. And so you just learn to like absorb the stupidity versus like being able to solve the stupidity. Yeah. I think that that job helped me with that. Then I left that. I went to go try and get my first front of house job. And then two days into training, I... They said, sucker, you know how to cook. Breakfast cook said, nah, I'm out. So I was a breakfast cook. Short order breakfast cook again for six and a half months until I met the, like, transfer policy inside the company. Went and did a 
back serving role for a little while at a three meal restaurant at a hotel and then got good enough at that where I worked in every facet of food and beverage at that hotel, whether it was working as a bartender or a banquet server or a banquet's bartender. And fine dining. The fine dining side of things, mm-hmm. which is really where like I flourished and evolved and got the best experience and the least amount of money at that property. <laughs> Unfortunate. Pros, cons, I guess. But people that work there are great. I still talk to them pretty regularly. They're all great at what they do. And some of the people that I I built relationships with sort of set the groundwork for studying wine and, like, knowing what is important in studying wine and figuring that out. And now it's just at the point where the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. And that's (laughs) its own special game. Tragic. (sighs) And then I'm where I work now, which is, I guess, fine dining. It's yeah. fine fine dining, no fuss is kind of the it's it's the low key, but it's still high end. High end, great wine list, everything done properly, but you could bring your kids in and we're not gonna just like immediately be like, What the hell? But you should. You shouldn't bring your kids anywhere. No, stop yeah. br- stop bringing kids. Stop having kids. <laughs> Don't bring them Don't to the restaurant. Them. Don't bring them into the world. <laughs> just Wow, hot takes. Episode one, hot takes. That's what we're here for. Oh, man. It's funny talking about all this because it brings back so many memories of, like, all the things that we've done and, like, how many, like, weird twists and turns. Because, like, I started in fine dining. Like, my first job, like, 15, 16 years old was fine dining restaurants. I did some personal chefing. And then I also worked at the desk job when we both decided Oh yeah, we didn't want to. Um, we wanted a more normal lifestyle and it was yeah. pretty normal, but like one of those things where this, the, the industry, food and beverage is an industry is one of those things where if you got the, you got the bug for it, like you can't do anything else. Like it always draws you back in like a, like a really hot, bad ex. You're just like, <laughs> dang, dang boy. Shot it with that thing. Dude. Yeah. I don't think you know anything about that, but yeah. We... All of my hot ex-boyfriends, <laughs> first of all, uh... bold of you to assume that. Hey, John. Um, no, so then <laughs> um, I did the desk job. And again, I think a lot of what you said about just like you learn a lot, but also like if you come from an area of not working behind a desk to then working behind a desk is just it's rough. It's a hard change. And being back on your feet feels so good. And then I ended up after the desk job building furniture showroom displays um, for or... a major company <laughs> where you build your own furniture and it's not known for traveling well. And meatballs. And meatballs, yeah. And if you know, you know. You know. But and the then... real promo is the Lingonberry Jam. Oh, so Put good. respect on that name. And then after that, I ended up in specialty coffee for a while, which was very unplanned and unexpected but i learned so much and it was so interesting um i feel like we learned so much in that in that yeah because there was one thing to i mean, we, we were met, kind of already we met lots of cool in people coffee. because of the coffee industry yeah and some not so cool but mostly cool people and we had already been interested in coffee because the first place that you would ever worked had had specialty coffee <laughs> at they the pre- time they pretended to care about coffee there were people that cared though that's true since then, I've kind of taken a taken a break from from working due to some health circumstances. But I would say I'm probably more involved 
in the industry now than I have been in a lot of years just from so many different relationships talking and people to people that we talk to. and going out and trying things obviously like the pandemic has been a really big change and like there was a good chunk of time where we didn't leave the house for what eight months pretty close it was leaving to do grocery pickups because where you live less than a quarter mile away from our grocery store so it was just like and then the per we'd all be masked up and the person would load stuff into our car and then we'd back and that was <laughs> that was it for a while but now we're here and things are kind of open again for now, knock on wood. And we've been slowly dipping our toe back into like dining in person. Yep. It's been going. Mm, it's been going. It's been going. I I feel really bad for restaurant owners right now because I think people have a really high expectation for what they're coming back to. And, and the some, industry is just decimated. And some people have the staff and can do it. And some people are really struggling to find staff. It just makes it a really complicated time, I think, for the industry. Yeah. I mean, it's wild where you've got you've got so many people that got fully burnt out or people that were considered essential workers. Like where we're at, there was like the softest shutdown and then everything kind of ramped back up. And so people were getting sick, and dying and like the amount of disrespect that people have dealt with in food and beverage. Mm-hmm. Like, finally got to a breaking point where it was, like, actually, we could just... It was definitely in part due to, like, the stimulus packages and things like that, which is, like, it is what it is. But it's one of those things where people are like, I could not work. I cannot be abused by my customers all day. I don't have to be abused and I can still eat. That's dope. Let's do that option. For sure. Now we're back into the full swing of things and people are worse than ever. They forgot how to... Act. <laughs> there's some people. It's there's. It's so weird because it's the biggest like split where you've got half the people in the world that forgot how to interact with humans, and then the other half that are like incredibly grateful and like, ah, we're back at it. We're gonna make sure we take care of you. Mm-hmm. And those ones are so much more quiet than the other <laughs> than the loud, angry people, angry swine. Yeah, and I think again, like when it comes to like the staffing shortages and stuff, like that's one thing. But on the other hand, for back of house, like getting product right now and getting product at like a decent price has been really crazy. So you've kind of got those mix of things. And I, I think we specifically try to be as kind as possible going into those situations of trying to dine out again, because it's like, we understand on a different level. Yeah. We're, you've worked in the back of house. I've worked in back of house in front of house. And it's one of those things, like, I'm still active in front of house. And it's one of those things where you you walk into a restaurant and, like, you're you're there for the experience. I always walk in and I'm like, well, this place is a five-star place until you prove me wrong. <laughs> There's a few places that have done pretty well recently. Mm-hmm. Recent openings. New openings right now are strange. They just mm-hmm. have such a weird range. They all seem unfocused. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know what they wanted to do. They just had money. Yeah, like a lot of big investors that were like, let's do a restaurant. And I'm like, if I had money, the last thing I would do is This is going to be profitable. (laughs) Nothing more profitable than these razor thin margins. (laughs) Uh, But I think we've also had some like really fun stuff open up. And we're in like the metro Phoenix area. So there's been some really cool stuff going on. Go ahead and stalk us. Yeah, come, come find us and buy us a drink. We'll end up probably buying you one, but that's neither here nor there. We try to be generous because, uh, not to circle back to something pretty obvious, but we love food and hate money. Mm-hmm. 
So before we go today, I wanted to, I found this article and I think you'll find it really enjoyable, but this is um, from a website called themanual.com. That doesn't sound like a real website. I know, but I thought it was really funny. Um, So these are the five biggest food trends of 2022, according to Matthew Dennis on January 12th of 2022. So. All right, Matthew. Kind of see like, are these, are these coming to fruition? Following. The first one is ghost kitchens. Which I think is really funny. That was a 2020 trend. We drove past a ghost kitchen on our way to dinner tonight. For a certain buffalo wing chain. <laughs> B-dubs. That, yeah. I don't know. Is that one, <clears throat> is saying that one trademarked? I don't know what we can and can't say here. I, I hope that. There's no rules. I hope that This heart, is a low budget production. I hope that Hart Riesling hears this and sues. That's my number one goal <laughs> is to get a winery mad at us. I think we said us. it was good, so I don't think they're going to do that. So yeah, but I agree. I think ghost kitchens, that's not a new trend. I think that's... That's not a 2022 trend, That though. became a big thing as restaurants and full service was no longer an option. Right. Full service shut down. People were like, well, we still don't want to cook. Mm-hmm. And so ghost... Ki- I mean, there's the there's a food court near us that's literally like 100 ghost kitchens in one like 3,000 square foot facility. Like it is just a ton of concepts and labels slapped onto to-go boxes like it's not that's not new that's not a trend right i mean it is a trend but like it's not a great one it's not a new one well and my understanding too is like there's been some bigger chain restaurants that have opened guest or ghost kitchens in their already established restaurant and they're asking staff to cook two menus but they haven't increased their pay at all which i think is crazy to have to jump back and forth and run two restaurants unless you're dedicated to that where it's like ah, yeah you run dj Khaled's chicken wing spot (laughs) inside of this wing stop you poor, poor soul. Yeah, that just, I don't know. I'm like, why why are we doing this this way? So the next one, and I think this one is really funny, and I think your boss would, uh, would have something to say about it, but plant dominance and plant-based foods Kinky. and, like, veg becoming. I'm going to use this eggplant on you, boy. <laughs> no. That's my plant dominance. <laughs> I'm about to um, sop your face with this green bean. But this article specifically talks about um, the new plant-based meats. Um, my favorite new trend in milk, potato milk. They're making potato milk now? I didn't tell you about potato milk. I, so they're making it in Sweden. Um, the company is called like the Doug or something. Oh, you did. I did hear about this. Yeah. And they, they're making milk out of potatoes because it's more sustainable because it takes very little water and very little land to grow potatoes. Potatoes. And um, there's not available in the U.S., but there's a couple, probably more than a couple by now, recipes online for it. And I read one article that was like, I tried like six and they were all nasty. I mean, I've that reminds me of a story back in school when we had uh, whenever you boil off potatoes, all that all the foam, the scum, all the scum and foam comes to the top. Uh And there was one day where chef was like, hey, I'm going to mess with with. With Marcos. <laughs> oh, Marcos. Let's, like, I'm going to have him skim the scum off and tell him to reserve it in the hot box. <laughs> and so he does that, and he skims the scum off of this potato water and puts it into a hotel pan, throws it into the hot box, and then goes back to it, like, 30 minutes later, and it obviously it had just deflated, because that's not... It's... And he lost... He lost what, what did you do? <laughs> And the cold sweat that Marcos broke into, oh. he was like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Chef. It's a, I, I just, I did." And man, 
the amount that he laughed, his mustache would be jiggling. <laughs> I love and... Chef Mike was one of the greatest people of all time. He's I, a homie. I wish we were still in contact with him. That's hilarious. He used to do all kinds of pranks like that. Like he made school good and made, <laughs> just going in and being like, well, not being a dumbass was like priority number one so that Chef Mike wouldn't pull pranks on you. My priority was being a dumbass, but a likable one. <laughs> and so I got to be the one that helped in and in on the pranks and just like, yeah, you'll appreciate this stupidity that's about to <laughs> unfold. <laughs> Uh, don't tell them anything <laughs> uh the next trend here is uh sustainable packaging which i'm like i feel like people have been trying to do that for decades right and i but i do think what kind of sustainable packaging are they saying is going to be the future other than like here's major insert major chain with red pigtails start serving their chili inside of a bread bowl like what kind of <laughs> I think you can say restaurant names. If, if we talk negatively if, about a restaurant, I don't want to name them. I would never I disrespect Wendy's. It's the best. <laughs> I think that's the other thing that it's important for uh, people to understand. So, like, I, me coming from not having any food other than food out to eat, like, when a Wendy's was the place that opened up next to our house, it was, like, the only chain that there was. So, like, I ate so much fast food and have a deep passion for fast food, but also eaten at some of the most expensive high-class restaurants yeah in the world and i love them equally but different yeah for sure and i think it's funny too because like for me i didn't grow up eating a lot of fast food you introduced me to a lot of it like i just had my first big mac last year yeah no this year this year we had it like on the last a two month months ago okay that's the food trend of 2022 big mac big are Macs back are baby back. So, no, they're just talking about how, like, the pandemic really boosted this idea of reusable food packaging, recyclable food packaging. I feel like that's something that's been in the works for a while. Like, there's dedicated people who are always looking into that stuff. I think the amount of trash that was created over the pandemic really sparked the necessity for it. Granted, it's really hard when you're putting food into a package, like, to recycle it, it has to be clean. Yeah, there's not a system for that in Metro Phoenix area. Like, there's no there's no good recycling system other than, like, composting yourself. But we live in an apartment, and there's only so much shit that we can <laughs> hold on <laughs> to. We can do. Um, I think this one is going to make you mad, and I think it'll be really funny. Um, <clears throat> but this trend is limited but creative menus. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> We've got one avocado. We're going to serve it five ways. I mean, that's like an actual, that could be really good in saying we've got seven items and they're all like executed, but I don't, I feel like that's not what probably what they're getting at with that trend. No, they're talking about how chefs are taking a creative approach to minimizing waste and creating flavors with the ingredients themselves. That's literally what this says. And I'm that's like, literally the is soup that not of the day. Are you, what do you mean? That's a, that's not creativity. <laughs> that's not a trend. That's a trend if you consider something from the 1600s trendy. I mean, I guess. I think I think really what they're trying to get at, though, is this idea of really curated menus where instead of going to the Cheesecake Factory and having to study for the exam, like you go somewhere, it's one page, maybe they have like six really solid dishes, a couple apps, dessert, and it's not anything crazy. Well, yeah, like our favorite restaurant right now is just a hyper-focused menu. They've got, I don't know, maybe 14 dishes in total. And they all, all slap. So good. Shout out Glybon. If you're if you're in the Metro Phoenix area and you haven't eaten at Glybon, like what are you doing? You're missing out. They got lunch. 
I work in the industry and I can still go get lunch. Are you kidding me? And also the value is there because we just had a dinner with only three cocktails for three people. And it was more expensive than lunch there with three cocktails and two bottles of wine. That's crazy. Mind you, good bottles of wine that actually like went with the food because we got a dope bubbly and oh, what was the other one? It was a pink bubbly. Oh, we got the bubbly rosé. What was the other? We had a still wine, too, though. Oh, we got the uh, Chicoli Chat. Mm, it's a Spanish wine that I have a hard time remembering the varietal on. But it's spelled like T-X-A-Chalot. Really? Something like that. That's a, that's a Google search <laughs> you away. You better work on that. Yeah, well, <laughs> studying. <clears throat> so then, yeah, I think having really clean menus is just good practice. I think... That that is a trend. Unless your cheesecake factory and then never change your beautiful <laughs> all five hundred of your dishes. Uh they could remove that skinny menu though and you wouldn't know. I wanna know why they want a skinny if you're the cheesecake factory and you're like, here's our skinny menu, you're in the wrong <laughs> you took a wrong turn. Yeah. You're in the wrong factory. You need to go to the <laughs> The salad factory. <laughs> you need you need to go to the salad warehouse, not the oh. cheesecake factory. <laughs> Um, and the last one in this article, and this, again, I'm just like, whoever wrote this was clearly like on a deadline. Um, and maybe we'll get into some other food trend lists. I think Food Network puts one out every year. Nestle does one um, for actual like industry standards. Um, Nestle like the chocolate? Yeah, but it's like a or all the I guess uh, no Hershey's is chocolate. Nestle's everything. Nestle Although I think we have Nestle does all kinds of things from chocolate chips to water bottles. Like it's crazy. What if they did chocolate chip water bottles for the sustainability I, factor? I would be here for it. It would be really awful in the summer. Oh yeah, here it would be bad. You should have mud. <laughs> Hot uh, chocolate, baby. The water's gonna start boiling, and then we're gonna get, we're in a feast. So this what's, what's this the last is trend? so funny. Food fusion. And this is fuck off. This, <laughs> so this is hilarious. One of the quotes from this article is when you can't get enough Lebanese ingredients, you decide to combine a few Japanese vegetables from the Asian market. Are they talking to you specifically? I, I feel like they are. I feel triggered. Um I side note, Courtney's uh, got Syrian heritage, but we took a trip to Lebanon and Yeah. And it was found like people eating. with her same name and th- that border has gone back and forth similar to like Alsace being both French and German. So it is one of those things where, like, you're a little bit of both. Yeah, and we ate a lot of food that was very familiar. Like, my family hasn't really kept a lot of traditions from when my family immigrated, but the food has definitely been one that, like, has stood. Uh, There's nothing funnier than going over and your family is like, we got turkey, we got ham with ham sauce, which ham sauce was weird to discover. (laughs) And then, like, just dolmas. Like, where? <laughs> why are we eating grape leaves? Yeah, you're going to have grape leaves at every holiday. And then it's always a competition of who makes the best ones. The sad version of that is no one has made the best ones for the last four years. My dad's going to listen to this. Shut your mouth. Um, but this, I think this idea of food fusion is really... <laughs> <laughs> food fusion. I think it's such a funny thing because it's it's not new. It's not a trend. It's just how new food is created at this point. And I think especially... And it's not even like... Uh, it's, that's frustrating because like, it's not even new food at that point. Like you're you're talking about just using different ingredients for the same dish. Like you put standard burger toppings inside of a tortilla instead of a hamburger. Like, that's not just... That's not food fusion. That's a, that's, new, that's a whole new dish, John. What are you talking about? That's like... 
that's being a poor college student and being like, <laughs> I didn't have bread. I would I've eat a only... burger burrito. Don't at me. Burger burritos are... We're man, having hashtag that tomorrow now. food trend 2022, baby. <laughs> you heard it here, food folks. Food fusion. Jeez, oh. that's bad. That's cringy because that's it's not it's not technically wrong, but it also is saying something that is remarkable in the fact that you're remarking on it by saying it. Yeah, totally. And I think like I don't know, almost all my favorite foods are some kind of fusion or come from a fusion background and I think that a lot of people and this is something we'll definitely get into in future episodes but even just talking about like ramen even in its purest form in Japan is technically fusion food if you have al pastor in Mexico that is technically fusion food yep like there's so many foods that have influence from other people and other cultures and they kick off because it's like the immigrant comes over and he's like I'll take the stuff you have and make something cool and they're like nice nice. (laughs) Picasso I like it, Picasso. Yeah, no, totally. And I think, too, like, if you're really a great cook or a great chef or you really care about food, like, combining ingredients is really interesting to you regardless of background. And I think we'll definitely talk further about, like, what is authentic because that's a real triggering. (laughs) Spoiler alert, nothing is, but we'll get on that later. We'll get back to that. I think that probably puts us all in for this evening. Yeah, everybody's been seated. Their tables have been cleared. And uh, that's a wrap. We thank you all very much for joining us, and uh, we hope that we'll see you again. Bye. Bye.